Uh, hello, welcome to Anarchists and Androids. Uh, I am Princesses I, and I'm here with Logar the Barbarian. Hello, I am Logar the Barbarian. <laughs> and uh, yeah, today we're talking about uh, the TV series on Disney Plus Andor, episode five, The Axe Forgets. The Axe Forgets. Now, I'm gonna pu- I'm gonna preface this. We've been following the, the TV series Andor from week to week. I think next week we may take a break and look at something different for the week and then maybe catch up on two episodes the week after that. So we'll see how things go, but that is the current plan, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yes. So the ax forgets the tree remembers is the saying that this is, this is named after the title of this episode. Yeah. And they actually say that line in the episode itself. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I find there's some very interesting moments in here that I find especially, um, uh, well, I guess interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, because there was no like action scenes or mm-hmm. physical violence, although it's alluded to, of course. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's going to be next episode. It's going to be like the shit's going down. Yeah, it definitely is. They've definitely set it up. So, this big old tram or whatever this vehicle is is on a rail. They got to get it off the rail. They don't know how to get it off without Andor, apparently, we've learned. But uh, this is all the calm before the storm. You've got. You've got the group who's going to pull off the heist is kind of things are getting hot and a little bit, um, a little bit of tension building there. I, I have some stuff to say to that as we get on. I think it's interesting, but also you've got what's going on in Coruscant. Oh yeah. You start off with Cyril and he was the feller who, who lost his position for the corporate security. He's yeah. Like, and he has to move in with his mother. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting when he goes back home to mom is she's asking about uh, prospects. Uh, you know, he, they, she, they get into some uncomfortable family discussions of why you didn't visit when I was out there. I have a spare room. All this. Yeah. She's focused on his prospects, his future prospects. And and she says, oh, well, Uncle Harlow owes the family a favor. So this guy's got some kind of power and privilege in the fact that his mother or whatever is attached to related to uncle harlow who uncle harlow is i'm expecting we'll eventually see and learn and and what does he do like what line of work you know that's never really explained yeah so he's got a hookup he's got to connect so he's i mean he may have lost his job and like i'm assuming the others that did don't have necessarily a palace in the in the clouds a nice a nice place in the cloud city <laughs> or not cloud city in the clouds of the oh in Coruscant, Coruscant. Well, yeah. they, they seem to be middle class you know because at one Probably, point you can yeah. see out the window you can see some sunlight and so like th- that's some degree of privilege to be able to see some sunlight but it's not like you know the really upper class people where you have these majestic views from up top yeah, you get the little sun coming up through between the buildings. You can see the top top powers. He's not doing terrible. He's not like down on sleeping in the on in the earth and ground and stuff like that. Like a lot of folks seem to be. He's not on a battlefield. He's got a better situation than some do, but perhaps not at the very top with Mon Mothma. Oh yeah, <laughs> and her husband. Oh, I got his name. Let's see. Uh, Perrin is the name of Mon Mothma's husband. So. Let's talk for a minute about her husband and her daughter, because I think there's something interesting they're doing here. She's close to a lot of the politics of this. And they mentioned some sort in the previous episode, some sort of a was it a trade thing made almost like the way I interpreted what they were talking about was like a sanctions being placed on a country. 
And she's very in tune with the kind of suffering that it will bring. And the family is kind of portrayed as they don't care what's going on out there. They're comfortable. They're living happy. The husband continues to not remember the help's name. Oh, yeah. To <laughs> the him as the a, driver. Yeah. yeah. And Mon- Mothma suspects that the driver is a spy for the Empire. But at the same time, she does remember the name of the person. Yes. Because the husband is always asking, what's this person's name? <laughs> so there's very much this like disregard for people that aren't in their social circle. Kind of it, it mirrors what what happens in in reality when when you're removed from those conflicts and the kind of suffering and the only time you can hear about it really is the six o'clock news it doesn't seem like that big of a deal you're going to keep on acting as if you're oblivious to this horrible atrocity that's going on oh that's terrible so did you see the new episode of star wars (laughs) type of thing that we do and 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 I feel that that's interesting that they kind of put the family in that manner. Their concerns are not what hers are. And at the same time, it seems to be painting her as she's so consumed with this uh, rebellion and the things that she's up getting up to in secret that the daughter seems to feel that there's you don't have enough time for me. It's all for show. Like, like you're not really there. She seems to be feeling mom. Oh, the daughter, I think the daughter even says, like, you're all about yourself. Yes. You only think about yourself, which is so ironic since she's like super busy with like the Senate stuff and the rebellion stuff. Yes. So she's doing both. It's all about you and 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 stuff. So interesting, interesting way they frame those family interactions. And and I was I, I like that and appreciate what they did there. Yeah, they definitely seem to have like more realism in all kinds of ways, like family dynamics as well as like war reality. Like it's all so much more realism compared to other Star Wars stuff we've seen in the past. Yeah, I'm liking it so far. Now we moved down to the planet and it was, oh, I brought it down at some point in time. What was the planet called that they're on? Aldhani or something like that? Aldhani. Yeah, oh, that's where the gorilla cell is, where they're going to have the heist. Yes, and and it seems that these the people who are stationed there is kind of a kind of what we would have called back when I was in the Marines a shit duty station. So it's the place like you don't want to be. Like Twenty Nine Palms, I was stationed there. Nobody wanted. <laughs> yeah. There's but nothing does, out there. Like when the heist happens, there's going to be some big celestial events, and so the people stationed there are looking forward to that, even though they totally you know desecrated the religion that yes. was based around it. They still want to see the spectacle. And they talk about the temple, too, uh, as they're coming through there. Uh, does it? Are we sure what religion it is that we're talking about here? I don't think it's the Jedi uh, specifically. Or, oh, no, no. I think it's yeah from the indigenous people that were wiped out <laughs> that had lived there before. He, we have this confrontation between Avril Skeen and Andor. And is this suspicion... He's very suspicious of him. He's one of the things that, well, wherever you came from, you left in a hurry and all this. Um, he asked where he got the blaster from. There's an Imperial blaster, it looks like. And he said, oh, I didn't I didn't get a name, you know, implying that he fought and killed the person he took the blaster from. And then they start talking about the tattoos because he seems to notice that they have those. And the tattoos are interesting. One, he asked what they meant. The first one was uh, by, I'm sorry, the first one was crate head and the crate i found i did a little looking up and the crate is the dragon you saw it in mandalorian the big old sandworm dragon thing that exists on tatooine oh yeah really reminiscent of the sandworms from dune yeah (laughs) yes yes 
And then uh, by the hand, which I which someone seemed to suggest that 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 refers to the hand of the empire, which was led by a grand animal Thrawn in other in other things. So we understand that both of them had some sort of imprisonment because he asked where he was. He's a Sipo or Sipo, I believe. And he was there. We find that Andor was imprisoned there from the age of ages of 13 to 16. Oh, yeah. It was like a youth detention center. Yes. Yeah. And this is the point where he we get the uh, the saying, the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Now it's our turn to do the chopping. Yeah, I think in that same interaction, too, they, they talked about like how he became uh, a part of the rebellion. Like, and oh, yeah, I, he said that he had a brother that was a farmer. Yes, and then he, he lost his land. On. Yeah, yeah. The trees. Pepper trees, he says. Yeah, and then the empire took the farm, and then the brother killed himself. Yes, so it's it's a personal thing for him, in that you know he blames his brother's death on the empire. Yeah. Now, Nemec, I want to talk about Nemec a lot because Nemec's the young fella who's a part of this. Oh, group. that guy. Okay, yeah, I was trying to find his name. Yeah, like, <laughs> he was an idealistic guy too. Yes. He says uh, what he says exactly in that point. He because they start asking about people's motives, and and Andor seems concerned that they may not have the nerve. But he says uh, Nemec's a surprise. He's green, but he's all in. He's a true believer. Nothing but the cause for him. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Nemec, I like a lot from this episode. He is that. He is. I see a bit of myself in him. He's yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of young radicals I've met over the years are like him. Yeah, you, I've definitely met these young radicals that are very reminiscent of this Nemec character. And they're ready and down for the cause and they have these grand ideals. He starts making correlation to of the old equipment that existed prior to the Empire. Um, it kind of reminds me when interacting with like certain affinity groups and things like that. When you're organizing, sometimes people use something called an affinity group. Where it's a, a a small group of trusted folks that can share things that you normally wouldn't be able to share that you might 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 get yourself screwed if you shared outside of the trusted folks. What's interesting about this in Star Wars, this fantasy world, is if if you talked about what they're doing in the context of our of our reality within within in the world that we live in the kinds of actions that they're plotting and planning. That's like instantly it makes you very vulnerable criminally and everything else. But in the context of a, a science fiction show, you start talking about these things. People find it a little less abrasive. People find it a little less frightening because it's all just make-believe to them. The yeah. empire is a faceless empire. It's not the empire you live under currently. Wow. It reminds me then because what they're going to do is like, like Rob, like a like a heist of a a bunch of money, yes. and it reminds me. Of, I think Asada Shakir. I think she like went to prison and then escaped to Cuba for being part of the Black Liberation Army, where they were trying to rob a, a bank truck. I think. Yes. So, yes. Very similar. Yes, exactly. So, you know, it it mirrors the reality, but the reality is that these things are dangerous in in our reality when you do that kind of thing. So this is a dangerous thing. These people are trying to keep their cover, trying to keep from blowing their cover, and they've created a very trusted close-knit group and one of the things to note is like not trusting that imperial technology like a lot of folks when it comes to tech when you're involved in organizing some kind of affinity group like that like 
maybe you don't you're not going to bring your cell phones around because that is a technology that can be used against you for locating you and other things like that so I seen them kind of in that same situation trying to take those precautions. They have the navigation system that the empire can't mess with, that those in power have little power over that prior to the imperial rise tech. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah, definitely like that kid, he had like lots of kind of somewhat empty phrases, but definitely like very radical phrases that he said yes. throughout the episode. Yeah. One I mean, of them was, the pace of oppression outpaces our ability to understand it. Yes. I want to point this out too. It, when it, when it comes to a lot of mainstream media that leans political, like I turn on a uh, right wing talk radio a lot and listen to it and probably more than I should, even though I am <laughs> the furthest thing from a right winger. I listen to it. I have to hear what's being said. Um, And, and I'm not going to say it's just there. Cause a lot of like, Probably what you might consider left or liberal leaning news outlets do the similar types of things is throwing out random like, oh, well, we're for freedom. We're for it's never solidly defined. Freedom can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And the language being used as revolutionary language here is kind of on that weak sauce side that's just thrown out there that, oh, well, yeah, I'm all about freedom. Who hates freedom? You know, like <laughs> at what point is that a controversial revolutionary statement? It's not. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that probably helps the audience like be more on the side of the rebels because they're fighting for freedom. I mean, yes. come on, you want freedom? <laughs> oh, yeah. Freedom versus oppression. Yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah. And, and I think we talked about this before. Like when we talk about freedom fighters and, and the oppressors, like, like one example I love to use is his old uh, Carter and Reagan. How oh. and 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 the Sandinistas and what happened down there? Because one at one point in time, like under the Carter administration, the terrorists and the freedom fighters, the people who were defined as those overnight, pretty much shifted and, and they swapped that label around when the Reagan administration came in. So the yeah. freedom fighters and the terrorists became the other sides all of a sudden. Oh yeah, that's the the Sandinistas, and then also I think the same time period was in Afghanistan. Like Osama bin Laden and oh, yeah. his people were the freedom fighters against the Soviets, and then yes. they became terrorists. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you're free. one day's one day's freedom fighters, the next day's terrorists is what you see. Yeah. That's and that's how people are presented normally. So these these this group here, don't get me wrong, it, they the group of rebels, they are terrorists by law, like the empire that exists. These are the terrorists that threaten the empire. That's what they are. <laughs> Yeah, and keep in mind, also in the Star Wars universe, like this is taking place like right after the, I think they call it the Clone Wars, yeah, yes. where like uh, this there was a separatist that tried to secede from the Republic, and so from the separatist point of view, they viewed themselves as like you know the freedom fighters and the Republic as being their oppressors. Yes, but the law is is well, the Republic has become the Empire. The Empire is the law, so the Empire can dictate the final legal definition of who's what and what's what yeah. <laughs> they get the final book that is that age old saying uh history is written by the victors oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. where are we at chloris so I, I i i'm hitting my notes about chloris now chloris was the driver by the way that was his oh name. yeah because yeah, mon mata had to say his name repeatedly you know for her husband <laughs> And she said, you know, he holds he he. he and the one thing I know here, I just want to make sure I, it was probably a re 
repeating what I said, but he held this air of superiority over the working class that he kind of feels. His interest in these like elbow rubbing with 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 big names and parties and things like that seemed to be his focus. And the worker acknowledged them as an individual. It's nothing he has taken time to even commit the person's name to his mind. He doesn't care. She says he knows his name. Perhaps he does. Perhaps he doesn't care. However, that goes. He's been at least been told the feller's name quite a few times. Yeah. And then contrast that when you go back to back to our group of rebels who are down there drinking dray milk. It's uh, it's not like the milk that we get to see. Um, oh, the blue milk. <laughs> yeah, Cyril. Cyril's <laughs> drinking some blue milk, but this this blue this milk is more whitish, tannish color. They're drinking. They call it dray milk. And it apparently is not very tasty because Andor does not respond positively to it. But they say, you can live on it. It is substance. Yeah, you, yeah, you can survive, but <laughs> nobody wants to drink the dray milk. I'm assuming that the dray milk comes from one of the animals that they're that they're raising on the farm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Some local animal. They have like a six horned sheep that they got there. I'm wondering if that's the oh, dray. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. Maybe yeah. People that are more invested in the whole Star Wars. Universe. <laughs> I'm not going to look up in the Star Wars dictionary what the Dre is today. Maybe at some point in time. Or Wikipedia, I think. Yeah, another. Um, yeah. yeah, that's like an online resource for Star Wars fan stuff. Nice. <laughs> I love that day. But yeah, the gorillas. They also said that they've been sleeping on rocks, you know, outside for months. By the time that we see them here, there's times when I'm watching this because I'm watching I'm watching them talk about uh, on the on the other side you got the empire and you've got him threatening people's furloughs and stuff like that and you've got the marching you've got them trying to emulate marching you can tell it, like doing drill sucks <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it has a lot of uh it takes a lot of practice and, and, and drilling it into your head and. Uh, they're trying to get to a point because you, you're watching the city. These these uh, soldiers, we'll call them for lack of a better term, are marching around in formation, essentially, in little like fire teams of four. And they're kind of trying to figure out how to emulate and walk that way. It's a big point of this so they can pass themselves off as, you know, a fire team of uh, soldiers. I think they said the one was a private. Didn't they, didn't they say he was going to be a private or a PFC or something? Oh, yeah. I can't and, and this is like another example of like the attention to detail and realism compared to like in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. They had a similar scene when like Obi-Wan and Leia were trying to blend in as Imperial people. And it was like a, almost like a comedic, you know, like a kid under a, yeah. <laughs> like a big coat kind of thing. You know, it was just like <laughs> so sloppy and all that. Yeah. But here, like they're actually like spending time to try to learn how to walk the way that Imperial troopers walk. Yeah, and, and getting down pat that that marching, that coordination, and and being able to do it on cue with each other, it takes practice. Like someone, like you spend a lot of time when you're in boot camp in the Marine Corps, marching on the parade deck. And I, one hundred percent, I am not a fan of doing this drill. It was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of Marine Corps, I have heard that like the stormtroopers in the Empire mm -hmm. are supposed to be comparable to like the Marines. Yeah, and then then you have all the other branches too, like the Army and the Navy and such. So I, I it, but they they are the thing about stormtroopers that 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 in Star Wars is that they aren't very vicious fighting force. Period. They just kind of drop quick 
and can't shoot anything. <laughs> yeah, they miss things all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's there for like, oh yeah, there's these guys, and everybody shot them down. I'm, I'm wondering how they're gonna handle stuff like that going forward in this. Oh yeah, like are they still gonna miss all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's see how this goes. Uh, I think we might lose people, but we'll see. Another surprise. Another quote from that kid. Uh, uh, there soon see a surprise from above is never as shocking as one from below. And that's that I wanted to talk about too, because they they have they flew a flew a tie fighter right down there. Oh, and that part I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I lived, I know when I lived in Kansas City, we would have cops flying through there at night, and they would like uh, peel out and do donuts and mess with people in the neighborhood. It was a, a lower income neighborhood, and. They would come there and just mess with people. And part of that's what that reminded me of is the way they'd be doing donuts and peeling out and harassing people throughout the neighborhood. And some some of the people they best with, you know, didn't make it out alive. Uh, it very much reminds me of that dynamic that can happen. You've got these guys who have this air of authority. And they're like, oh, go mess with those peons and kind of trying to make puff their chest out. Like, I'm a big man type thing you're getting oh, yeah. from these imperial soldiers. <laughs> And it reminds me once happened for me, like I remember years ago, I was in a Greyhound bus going through the Southwest and then a border patrol car pulled over the Greyhound bus and got onto the bus and then told everyone, everyone, you need to get out your IDs and stuff, proof of identification. And I, I, you could tell everybody on the bus was scared. And then the border patrol agents like, oh, I'm just messing with you guys. OK, see you later. Yeah. 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 Well, just like a show of force to intimidate people. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that somebody felt like a big man yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyways so we got the marching formation the one thing i wanted to talk about we, the empire is is noted that one woman in the empire is still noticing these inconsistencies i don't know when her story is going to come in to meet the rest but i'm assuming that eventually this is after the heist has occurred there's going to be some kind of response and just going to be, I told you. So one of the things is they talk about how the, so are they noticing, what is it she's noticing? So they're saying they're too spread out to be organized. Oh yeah. I think it was like random. Yeah. Rebellion, rebel activity taking place in different parts. Yeah. So they're trying to identify where the rebels are. It's just random rebel activity that we're discussing. Like, like, are they trying to, so they're trying to figure out if the rebels themselves, how organized the rebels are. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And it seems to be pretty like different pockets and stuff all across the galaxy. When you're organizing something like that, I mean, a lot of organizations can are organized, very dispersed out and can still be organized, communicating with one another clandestinely in ways like that, which I'm assuming has been going on because you've got a lot of clandestine um, meetings and stuff like that already from the first story for first three episode story arc and what you've seen so far with this heist where you know there's activity going on but they're trying to keep it as down low from the empire as much as possible oh and then there is like one person that's in the imperial base that they're going to rob who's like an insider working for the rebels yes and they describe this person that that this person fell in love with a local woman lost a promotion and then lost the woman and then lost his love for the empire and then everyone has their reasons, as they said. <laughs> I, I'm wondering if he lost her specifically because of something the Empire itself did. Like, was did yeah. the was it like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, it seemed like too. Yeah, it wasn't just like a a breakup. I think it was something where the Empire killed her or something. Yeah, that's the impression I get because they're not giving everybody's full. They're kind of just being vague. Like, look, the short story. Like he says when he tells his brother's story, like 
look, you know, the short story is my brother died. He was a farmer. Uh, there's definitely more to everyone's story. So, oh, yeah. you know, you have a little a little Star Wars miniseries for each of their characters' backstories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like here with Cassian Andor, you know, a minor character. And then you can, every other person can get their own series. But, yeah, Vel, the rebel leader, said everyone has their own rebellion. Yes. To refer to, like, everyone having their reasons of how they became part of the rebellion. And then we have the, the band-aids ripped off because all of this conflict between old uh what, what's his name andor's um it's it's skeen avril skeen is the guy that he was the guy i remember him because he was the guy that was in punisher that played micro <laughs> oh yeah i haven't seen the punisher series yet i'm still trying to finish the the daredevil series and then i'll go on to punisher oh, daredevil daredevil is one of my all-time favorites just across yeah. the board period i'm such a daredevil geek and i yeah. can't wait to talk about she hulk <laughs> because of it <laughs> oh yeah Anyways, he get, he finds the kyber crystal. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was given to him, and and this kind of brings out the fact that where where it brings us to a point where Andor says, "Look, I'm here because I was paid." Yeah, he came clean with everyone. Yeah, yeah, and if you look back, like he's talking to them about who's going to fly this thing out of there. There's some sort of tram that apparently can fly. It's on rails. They don't know how to release it. He's like, he's like, you know, it's this way, this way, this way. Well, why is it on there? It's obvious that Andor has the skills, the knowledge and know how to pull something like this off prior to this. Like he's there because he's the pro and he's the one getting paid because he's the one that knows how to pull off the heist they're trying to pull off. They're kind of they got great revolutionary ideas. You don't know, really know 100% what they're doing. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm being paid. And, I mean, that's a case a lot of times. Oh, what do they call the meal team six and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, because yeah, you have like the kid, you know, he can write manifestos in theory. But <laughs> as far as like practical stuff, like Andor is their guy. Yeah, he's the one who has the practical experience on a lot of this stuff and knows what he's doing. He seems to understand the vehicles and stuff that are going to need to be flown and maneuvered. And he's like, well, I'm flying it because I'm going to get out of here alive. Like, whatever oh, ideals there, whoever's in charge, like, I can get you out alive. I'm the one, your best chance, it seems. that there's There seems to be a realization within the group happening that he's that they should probably listen up. There's a reason he was paid to be there <laughs> yeah and then you can like talking about like in, uh, affinity groups it's like you know based on trust being because you know basically you rely on each other to like stay alive and like you can see like from like andor being like this random guy comes out of nowhere joins the group and then he admits that he's paid to be there you can see like you know like their trust is like really low but they realize you know he's the only chance they have and a lot of times and, and a lot of times in groups like that when you're organizing what you see is this tension build up and you can definitely that definitely occurs interpersonal drama interpersonal relationships spouse come up in those kinds of things quite often and your ability to be able to handle stuff like that, to be able to maneuver those situations, is really gonna gonna impact your success sometimes, and your ability to hold those groups together and see it through. Uh, one thing that I that I like when I was involved with Catholic workers, one thing that they used as communication was uh, nonviolent communication from Marshall Rosenberg, which I know you're very familiar with. Oh yeah. 
And uh, like that type of thing is is a, is a way to resolve conflicts through communication. If you're interested, look up Marshall Rosenberg. He did this thing called nonviolent communication, NVC, they call it. So there are things like that to address those kinds of interpersonal conflicts in productive ways. And there are tools out there that can be taught to people. I don't see them having something like that here. They seem to be keeping it together so far. I think at one point when they found like the Kyber crystal necklace, like they almost came to blows like Andor, who goes by the name Clem in this group, uh, almost got got into a fight with, I forget the guy's name, right? I think you know his name. I I, I have to keep on checking it, looking it up. It's Avril Skeen, S-K-E-E-N, Skeen. Oh, okay. So kind of rhymes with like Avril Lavigne. No, but, yeah, and I'll remember it. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, yeah, like, like he almost killed, you know, Andor slash Clem. But then Vel, the rebel leader, like said, you know, stop it. You guys can kill each other when we're all done with this mission. Yeah. <laughs> but for now, like, we got to like, you know, be behaved and, you know, do our mission. Yeah, so it's not really like nonviolent communication they use. It was more like deference to authority yes. and focusing on the mission and purpose. Yes. Let's let's focus on the mission. Y'all can duke it out when we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's the approach yeah. they took. And that don't always work that way. <laughs> Sometimes things blow up beforehand and then everything falls apart. It could be a problem. Now, I think that there seem to be, I bet you, because this is a TV show, they're going to hold it together. They're going to go do their heist. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Oh, they said uh, one quote from uh, Andor, uh, Clem. <laughs> he said, there's a difference between fear and losing your nerve. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that distinction. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. fear, acknowledging that fear and being able to work through it is 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 what it is. <laughs> also, in the closing lines, the very last scene, what's the name? The Skarsgård character. I forget his name. Luthen? Again. Is Luthen. It, is it Luthen? Yeah, Luthen, like Luther, yeah. but with an N. Yeah, so he's talking to like his, I don't know if it's partner, romantic partner or business partner or who knows what. And then uh, it, she says to him, it will all be over this time tomorrow. And then he says, or it will just be starting and then she I, says, oh, well, and then credits. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, that's the last thing I had written down in my notebook was that exact yeah. quote there. I was like, uh-huh. that is, yeah, that is, I think that's interesting. Like, like this heist, they're all showing anxiety. Luthen's up there. He's, he's checking some sort of, he's, it's like he's checking the internet every five seconds. Yeah, checking Facebook. <laughs> like what's happening? And then you can tell there's this tension and anxiety He's nervous, waiting to see if anything's said or if anything's been found. Did they catch them? Did they have they succeeded, failed? What's going on? And he realizes that once it hits, once they get out of there, that's not the end. That there will be more <laughs> oh, yeah. response. Yeah. And then wanted to point out this episode was uh, made by actually three brothers worked on this. Uh, there's a uh, Tony Gilroy, the showrunner, Dan Gilroy, the writer. And John Gilroy, the editor, when a little tiny bit of research I did regarding actual history here on Earth, <laughs> it was uh, comparing like how I think I think Farron or Farrell, whatever is the name of the planet that was run by the corporation and then yes. handed over to like the empire and how like comparing it to India. Right. And how you had the British East India Company, which ran India. I didn't know this for like a century from like 1757 to uh, 1857. And it was after a rebellion that happened 1857 that they transferred India over to the the actual empire. In this case, the British empire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So very similar. Like I guess the rebellion in this case was like the fight that happened in episode one. Yeah. That would have been the the murder that happened. It was kind of the thing. Well, 
Well, the murder and then later on. Yeah, no, it was it was a fight that happened in episode three, I think. Wasn't oh, three, it yeah, three yeah. Where they got two, and then three. they escaped and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there was they went, they left, and they got into the scuffle, and they did not fare well. They were not prepared for conflict. <laughs> then, yeah. Then the empire kind of came in and took over for the company. Yeah, that is a good a good parallel between the East Indian the company there in India and everything that happened. Yeah, but in real life, like thousands of people died in that rebellion in the eighteen fifty seven. So much bigger, <laughs> but yeah, but still, it's the general kind of you know based on reality. The corporation there. ruling the the region, and then you you know turn and then an empire the taking over to the queen. <laughs> yeah, Did you tell the listeners where they can find you online. Oh idea? yeah, yeah. I'm a parenthesis i uh, dot blogspot dot com is for my blog, and uh, and then on Twitter, yeah, at parenthesis i, and that's e y e. Yeah, yeah, parenthesis e y e. And you can find me on Facebook, search Wildlies and Wizards, Twitter at Logar Hill Crom, Wildlies and Wizards dot com. And uh, we need to get a better sign out. <laughs> mm-hmm. 